Hello and welcome to the Resilient in STEM podcast. My name is Jill Pastana and I believe that if we really want STEM fields to be diverse and inclusive, career advice needs to be tailored to those who have been historically excluded from STEM fields. STEM encompasses science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The truth is that from navigating everything from biases to systems and structures that were not built for us, we have extra challenges and barriers to thriving in our careers. My story is similar to so many others I've heard from people in STEM. I'm part of the 75% of female physics majors who experience harassment, and the career I worked so hard to achieve was nearly derailed when I was forced to leave my PhD program in material science and engineering. However, through a journey that was supposed to break me, I landed my dream job and developed resilience. When the pandemic started in 2020, I decided to spend my extra time in quarantine to found the STEM Thrive Guides to provide the support I wish I had throughout my education and career. Support for navigating all those difficult situations with inappropriate behavior and harassment at work and school. And here we are now with Resilient in STEM a podcast to share more information, resources, and conversations on those taboo yet important topics. Thanks for listening and being part of this community and mission. Now, to prepare for this podcast, I am sipping on some lovely hibiscus tea. It is so good and sweet. I just love it so much. (laughs) Some nice hot tea in order to really... It's not only for my voice so that I come across clear, but it's also just to, you know, be in my happy place. It's May, and May is my month of self-love. And I particularly wanted to do this podcast episode on embracing femininity in the STEM workplace during May because for me, I've realized that embracing femininity, for me at least, is practicing self-love. Now, I am a cis woman. I am pretty feminine in the way that I like to dress. And I've come across certain obstacles in my career just that made me feel like I shouldn't be as expressive in my femininity in the workplace. And I know I'm not alone in this. I want to start back at the beginning of when I was first going into the field of physics as a physics major in college, right? When I entered that world of physics and engineering, what I saw were men wearing khaki pants and collared polo shirts or t-shirts and jeans. Sitting in classrooms as one of only a few women, I stood out and I felt like I had no clue what I was supposed to be doing in order to become a physicist and engineer. The way some of my professors and colleagues treated me made me feel like I didn't belong and that I needed to prove myself so that I could fit in. And so what did I do? I decided to dress and act like them, like my male colleagues. I hated wearing khaki pants and polo shirts. It felt frumpy and unflattering on me, and I did not feel comfortable or beautiful wearing that outfit. I wore minimal makeup too, and I didn't style my hair. I just wanted to blend in and be treated with respect like one of the guys, but the microaggressions and harassment continued. And over the years, I'm sure the way I speak changed to fit into this culture. 
Even today when I speak to people who are not in science or engineering, they sometimes tell me I come off as blunt or rude, and I've been trained to write emails and messages that are so to the point so as to be efficient that they don't really recognize the humanity of the person on the other side. When I would write, how was your day, or I hope you're doing well, in an email, I kind of grew to feel like it may come across as being too flowery with my language and that I wouldn't be taken seriously. And more recently, as I was promoted to a senior scientist role, in my performance review I received criticism that I was not dominant enough. I shared credit and collaborated more than I took ownership over my achievements, which made my managers feel like I was not contributing as much even though I achieved all my goals successfully and on time. I'm not the only one who has felt pressure to shift my behavior and appearance from more feminine to masculine. All people feel this within male-dominant fields, especially when femininity is perceived as weakness or frivolous. And I think at this point, it's important for me to emphasize that I'm not trying to play into that gender binary with this. I think all people are feminine and masculine to certain extents at certain times. We're fluid beings and we are who we are. And there's no such thing as being 100% masculine or 100% feminine, at least in a healthy state of being. We all have a mixture of both of those. The reason I'm using the words feminine and masculine to describe these dynamics of sexism and racism inside of STEM workplaces and just environments in general is just because it's particularly femininity that's really stigmatized and seen as weakness or frivolous, like I said. A couple months ago, I hosted a clubhouse room that discussed this topic of femininity in the workplace, and so many women spoke up and shared their experiences, and many of them I found mirrored mine. One graduate student researching at an R1 institution found a theme regarding how people responded when she shared her career aspiration to be a professor. She said she gets a sense of pushback from male colleagues as they inform her that there's the other option of working at a predominantly undergraduate research institution, or PUI. Every time she expressed her desires for career path, she gets that feedback. Males don't get that opinion pushed on them as much. Women are pushed towards these quote-unquote less desirable opportunities. And there's nothing wrong with working at a PUI. It's just in this case, she was almost just pushed into that kind of stereotype or that role that, oh, you're a woman, you're a female, therefore you'd probably want to work at an undergraduate serving institution and not at a research university. Another theme that I felt myself and others found through our education was that professors pushed us to do more education and outreach related activities, even though we wanted to be research scientists or engineers and had no formal training in pedagogy. I felt like this was because I was a woman and thus perceived to be more nurturing and suitable for a teacher. Professors also saw my great communication skills and leadership skills, but saw that it was more useful in teaching rather than in a research environment. But trust me, communication and leadership skills are very important in a research environment. There's also the question of ownership over shared space that came up in our conversation. For instance, how much responsibility do we have over our shared space and how much are we expected to be training and advising colleagues versus working on our goals? 
women may be more often put in the position of doing more lab cleaning, secretarial work, and mentoring that can take time away from research and our research goals. Another woman shared that in an internship, her employer told her that she was not allowed to work in the engine room. He thought he was doing her a favor and that was the right thing to do. However, she ended up going against his guidance and did the work anyway and did receive a great letter of recommendation from him. This incident reflects how people are often brought up in certain ways culturally and don't know how to work with women. They may feel like they're trying to be respectful, but in reality, they're hampering our progress and our career direction. One person shared that when their university hosts female speakers in their department, fewer people attend the lectures and the questions focus on their identity as a female researcher rather than the research topic. Some women in the conversation even experience pushback and mean looks from other women when they showed up at work authentically, dressing more feminine. And many felt that when they display emotions of joy or excitement at work, others view them as less credible and serious about the work itself. When reflecting on this clubhouse discussion, I felt like there were some common themes here. First, expressing femininity in any way is seen as less professional than expressing masculinity, and this is both sexist and racist. The second theme is that both men and women can perpetuate sexism and racism. And the third theme is that all the women who spoke about their experiences had negative emotional reactions about expressing their femininity, and they felt like this was an added barrier to their career progression. I mean, just listening to this, do you sense that this parallels maybe your experiences in your workplace? Do you feel maybe a little bit less alone? I certainly did after having this conversation. Embracing femininity in this context simply means to show up authentically as yourself in your school or workplace. Like I said earlier, both men and women and non-binary people can be feminine and masculine. It's actually healthy and normal to be a mixture of both. As I said earlier, this month, May, is a time when I really reflect on my self-care practices and tweak things that I need to in order to make sure that I'm living true to myself and respecting myself. A big part of this has to do with how I show up at work. Because I spend so many hours of my days and weeks and years in work, I need to make sure that I'm practicing my self-love even while I'm at work. And as a cis woman who does dress more feminine and acts more femme, part of that is recognizing when my more male-dominant career field and work environment is affecting me and making sure that I'm caring for myself amidst that environment. Today I want to share how I embrace my femininity at work because I think it's important to provide an example of perhaps a healthy way to approach this. Know that you don't have to do exactly what I do, do what works for you, but I hope in that understanding what somebody else does that works for them, you can then create your own practice around embracing your identity in your workplace. So let's get into this. I'm really excited to share this. The first thing that I do, which is very surface level, but it's true, is I wear what makes me confident and happy. I make sure that my appearance is something that makes me feel happy when I look in a mirror. I dress in ways that make me happy and confident, and for me that means wearing makeup and dresses sometimes. 
But on the other end, it's not like I wear dresses and makeup every single day to work. I definitely have days where I dress down and just wear something more casual. I really just dress in order to feel comfortable and happy. And that can mean different things on different days. However, I do notice that when I do wear dresses, I do get extra looks for my coworkers and colleagues, right? They notice me, they say, wow, you're wearing a bright blue dress today. And it's kind of annoying because it's like, oh, I just wanna wear what I want to, like don't say anything. But at the same time, I have to realize I'm going to stand out no matter what I wear because I'm a minority in my workplace, right? And so as long as I'm dressing to make myself happy, that's what I need to be doing. The second way I embrace my femininity at work is to leverage my strengths in collaboration and inclusivity to reach work goals. I have a very inclusive and collaborative work style where I take initiative on important projects by pulling together teams of people to find solutions. While I could work on tasks independently, I believe that teamwork is often the best way to share knowledge and find the best solution. It also helps improve the culture of the company, breaking down hierarchies and shifting power dynamics. When you have the least experienced person collaborating as much as the most experienced and everyone shares credit, nobody has a chance to dominate. Everyone is focused more on reaching a solution than getting worried about credit or politics and all those things. The third way I embrace my femininity is by creating space for others to be authentic too. What I mean by this is that I respect other people for being authentic. And by being authentic myself, I create a safe climate for others to be themselves as well. We all like that person on our team who brings up humor to bring tension at the perfect moment or tells us that they're happy we're their coworker. This increases psychological safety and belonging in our workplaces. By being myself, by being myself, I hope to contribute towards the psychological safety of others in my workplace. And this in turn lets me be myself too. It's really a win-win outcome. And the fourth and final way that I embrace my femininity at work, well, the final one I'll share today, is that I set and enforce boundaries. Now, I don't have tolerance of any harassing behavior, which includes comments about my appearance. Sure, sometimes people say, like, I like your dress, I like your shirt. It's totally okay with the right tone and intention. But when they say things like, you look good today, or why do you always dress up, or make me feel like I should dress differently, I trust my intuition, and if they make me uncomfortable, I take action. If someone oversteps my boundary, I will either talk to them or report them for harassment. No matter how I dress, I deserve to feel safe and comfortable at work, and I have the right to feel safe and comfortable at work. I don't treat others that way, and I don't tolerate that kind of treatment from others. I recognize that I have a lot of privilege as a white cis female though, and that not everyone at all points of their career can reinforce their boundaries without serious retaliation. For instance, up until recently, it was legal to fire someone because their hair was deemed quote unquote unprofessional. And the people who are targeted the most for this are black women. Professional, I'll add the quotes, quote unquote, is often used to reinforce white supremacy and patriarchal domination. For instance, the descriptions of business casual wardrobes are modeled after the attire men would wear to a frat party, khaki pants, and a collared shirt or suit. 
The narrow definition of professional attire excludes non-white and non-male people and thus perpetuates racism and sexism. But wait, there is so much more. There is such a deep-rooted history of devaluating the body in education and the workplace. Teaching to Transgress, a book about education as a form of liberation, written by Bell Hooks, discusses this in depth. Bell Hooks writes that in a classroom, minds are valued over body, spirit, and soul. She cites a simple example about being uncertain if she was allowed to take a bathroom break during a class as a professor. And it's so true, right? It's like shameful to be like, hey, I have to go use the loo. (laughs) And your teacher is sometimes resistant, is like, no, you need to stay and learn. And it's like, well, I have this body and it needs to do something right now. Can we just respect our bodies? In society, our schools and workplaces often try to ignore the fact that we have bodies that have needs. Ergonomics, paternity and maternity leave, and sick leave are a few examples of times when our bodies are given accommodations, yet there are so many more ways our bodies need respect and love. The first thing that comes to my mind is the extra care I need during my period every month. I've found ways to work while I'm on my period, like using a combination of painkillers and an electric heating pad I keep at my work desk for cramps. I also try not to schedule too many tasks on those first couple days of my cycle. While I try to be as gentle to myself as possible, I would rather power through the pain than take one of my precious sick days every month. You may recognize other ways schools and workplaces fall short of providing space for care of our bodies, especially if you are not cis male and or white. Embracing my femininity is so important for me because it is part of who I am, and when I don't act authentically, it requires emotional labor. Emotional labor can be tolling, leading to extra stress and exhaustion. It can also lead to serious mental and physical health issues like depression, PTSD, nausea, fatigue, and more. When we are focusing our energy on consciously acting inauthentically, we are also taking energy and focus away from our work, decreasing our productivity. It's best not just for you, but also for your company or organization for you to act authentically. When you respect yourself, others will learn how to respect you. You teach others how to treat you, and when you show up as yourself, you give others permission to show up as themselves too. What makes you unique is your biggest strength. There will always be people who will not respect you no matter what, and it's important to recognize that you do not have control over how they treat you. No matter what you wear or how you act, they will not respect you. It's best to set boundaries and distance yourself from these unloving people and recognize that the reason they treat you this way is not because of you. It is because of their own issues. Now, I want to end with some advice and resources if you find yourself in a situation where you are being bullied or harassed at work or school. First, you should check out this article that I'm going to list in the show notes below where I detail some steps you can take if you are being harassed. It's important to know your legal rights so that you know the types of harassment and bullying you are protected from, and it's also very important to document everything. If you really like this podcast episode on embracing femininity, I recommend you check out a previous podcast episode I created on how self-love is revolutionary, where I share different ways you can integrate self-love into your lifestyle. And finally, if you would like to join a supportive community to help you on your career journey, I want to invite you to join Resilient in STEM. 
It's an online community on Facebook, and if you look at the description below, the show notes below, I will provide a link there for you too. You can also check out www.jillpastana.com, and that includes the blog that this podcast is derived from, as well as links to these as well. I hope this episode really helps you understand that it's so important for you to show up authentically. It's the best decision you can make for yourself and those around you, those around you who love and support you. Embracing your femininity or your masculinity or whatever mixture and concoction you have of both in you is so important for your own self-care and self-love. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.